What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got an awesome one here for you. We're kind of just shooting the shit a little bit, pardon my language there, but we're going through the news of the NFL. We're talking a little college football and the Jim Hardball news. We were talking about Tim's special ability to curse franchises, essentially, and we are breaking down a little college basketball. It's a good one. Let's go. Joby Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is February 4th, and we have the crew back. It's been a minute here, gentlemen. How are we doing today, good sir? Doing well. I'm doing fantastic. It has been a little while. There's been some things that have been happening that we got to get kind of caught up on. Um, this show, I was saying it in the pre-show, I got to do a better job of kind of scheduling these out a little bit because we are... It's not Dante loves this time of season. Big yep. college basketball fan. Tim also does. I refer to this as the dark period because we are leaving the football world and I am a lost soul out here, but we are going to get through it. We're going to watch some college hoops. We're going to break some things down, but we had a lot going on. Um, should we start with, I guess, before we get into anything too serious, a congratulations to Tim on realizing that his Detroit Lions are the worst organization ever run, hey. but hey, he can live vicariously <laughs> through Matt, Matt Stafford and the Rams fans. Uh, a little easy on the uh, realizing that the Detroit Lions are the worst run organization. I knew that long before. Yeah. Um, this had nothing to do with that realization. What this did give me was a nice little outlet for a year or two while we are rebuilding for the 20th time since I was born 28 years ago. Um, you know, this gave me a little outlet for the next one to two years to be able to root for somebody who might be able to win. Yeah, that's fair. This is an indictment. We already had a bunch of indictments on the Detroit Lions and the Ford family, but this this is a, a huge one. One year removed from the team and <clears throat> in the Super Bowl already. Here's yeah. here's what I will say on this is that I do not want to hear those stats. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fully remove myself from all of this, and I just want to root for my boy Matthew. Let him go out, win a Super Bowl. That'd be fantastic. I'll be happy for him. It'll be fantastic. One of the quarterback idols of my youth is doing well. Um, he's who I thought should be able to win a Super Bowl or take us somewhere, like a playoff win in Detroit. Um, this whole time, wasn't able to do it. Thought it was a mixture of him and the Lions. Turns out it was a lot of the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a little bit of him. So, so some of the people that want to – cheer on Matthew's success and be so happy for him. And then they keep on reminding me of how, what this means to the Lions franchise. I don't want to hear that part. I don't want to hear that part at all. I want to be happy for him and leave it at that. Just because I have to, Tim. Okay. Does this not make you like just a little angry? No, no, not at all. Because I was already angry. Okay, I've already been very. <laughs> you were already at a base. I, I, yeah. I, I, my <laughs> anger is sky high with that little stupid man with the baseball bat named Bob Quinn for tearing <laughs> this organization down. And rather than riding the highs of Matthew Stafford, he just said, "Nope, I got a better plan." Brings in a fat man from New England, his buddy, and decides to just tear this whole thing down, just like his garbage diet and whatever else i hate those two so much that there is no that matthew stafford succeeding does not do anything to my thoughts on bob quinn and matt patricia as gm and coach because that was already the lowest of the lows i already view bob quinn before matthew stafford's run i viewed bob quinn below matt millen matt millen never had oh. anything to work with he kept them bad for long to periods of time. Yeah. Yes. yes. That wasn't his fault, though. He even told William Clay Ford Sr. that he was not really cut out for the job and didn't really know what he was doing, and he kept getting contract extensions. So I don't put that fully on Matt Millen. I do put what Bob Quinn did to the Lions on Bob Quinn, every little piece, and that starts with being an, an above-average football team and taking them down to where they are right now. Nate. Let me tell you this. So I, I am from Detroit too. Um, I do not root actively root for the Lions. Um, Save yourself some pain there. 
Uh, yeah. With that said, I am a fair weather fan. So if the Lions are ever good, <laughs> I will be. Like, That's fair. Very fair. <laughs> like I, the city of Detroit need needed this is what you hear from me. I just want to put that out there. So in the off chance that the Lions are good in the next couple of years, there won't be any surprises. I appreciate your honesty here. Um, I will also say to Dante's point, it was, you know, the Lions struggles were also little on Matthew Stafford, but the only difference is yeah. now that he doesn't have to play a perfect game because it's been perfectly established through this playoffs run. Him and Sean McVay, I feel like in every game, have tried to give away every single game through this playoff stretch and just have failed to do it. They will keep winning. Um, but that is the benefit of having a good organization with other talent to people around you that if you mess up, they still have your back and can you don't you don't have to pitch a perfect game every single game yeah. to be good, which and is a what competent he, defense. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is what he had to do with the Lions. Um also last Matt, thing I will say. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Last thing I will say on this matter from me is that um as far as telling people how to fan and how to root for their own teams, we oh, need yeah. to cut that shit out. Yeah, that's <laughs> there's no you, yeah. you can be a fan however the hell you want yeah. to be a fan. I'm sorry to break the news to a lot of people out there, but how you are as a fan does not affect the team at all. Yeah. Well, let's not be like, crazy here. I have some things that I have done that have won us some Super Bowls with certain drink <laughs> beverages and sitting in certain painful ways and haven't moved while momentum's going. All right. So I have also contributed to those wins as uh, a fan, but No, I think Tim, you're more speaking to like people saying people uh being mad at Detroit Lions fans for rooting for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, yeah I think that's correct. Where, yeah, it's that doesn't ridiculous. make sense to me. Why can't they root for Matthew Stafford? Like I don't Oh, because I, it hurts our draft pick. Yeah. yeah. We we fall from the from the twenty seventh draft pick to the to the thirty thirtieth draft pick. Like who cares? You're gonna mess who it up cares? anywhere. Who cares? Wait till, <laughs> right. wait till, wait till, hey, you watch it. We got the right GM and the right coach right now. We are moving places. We are going places. We're, this is not the Martha Firestone machine. four is gonna make that pick herself. Yeah. I hope not. God, I hope not. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, that's dumb. Just like sports are meant to be enjoyed. If it's not in direct con, the way I view it is if they're not playing each other, then root. If you want to root for them, root for them. It, like enjoy sports how you want to enjoy sports. Um, unless you're a Walmart Wolverine. Yeah, God. Oh, Jim Hardball too. Agreed. Like as a, should, we should talk about that while we stay in the football room yes, before we move course. on to other things. We have to talk about that. Like, yes. can you even remotely take any pride in the fact that he's coming back? Like, I kind of would be like sour at this point. But like, no, go away. Like, I don't want the you University at this of point. Michigan shouldn't allow him to come back. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, he's only coming back because he didn't get offered an NFL job. That is exactly. a fact. And he like begged for one too, <laughs> multiple times. When rumors he put the of Antonio were of the Bears, he put the rumors out there of the, the, the Raiders. Vikings. He put Vikings, the rumors yeah. out there of the Raiders. Yeah. When D'Antonio was retiring during signing day, he got crucified in local and national media. The same thing did not happen to Jim Harbaugh. Well, that's because Jim Harbaugh is the gold boy now, and he just went. To, <laughs> he finally beat Ohio State and went to the playoffs. And I mean, Jim, Jim Harbaugh also knows the writing on the wall in that, like. Yes. I mean, I haven't broken it down, but this team next year, like, there's a very concentrated rebuild effort because of what you're losing. Um, yeah. And a, a drop off. You're not going to be like an Ohio State, Alabama. I mean, Clemson dropped off this year, but before that, kind of where you stay at the same performance level, Oklahoma, that type of thing. Absolutely. I, to me, I, I, you know, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter and stuff, but to me, it made perfect sense for Jim Harbaugh to try to leave after this season. After you, Absolutely. you, you got to the, uh, the pinnacle basically you were never going to win a national championship you could throw that out no but you won the big 10 you beat ohio state what else do you have to accomplish yeah and go back mm-hmm. to a league in which you were so close to winning a super bowl in. like people i know at the end of his tenure at the 49ers it was kind of crashing and burning but people low-key forget how terrible the 49ers were right before mm-hmm. he got there and then he did help like he's got a winning pedigree and he was that close to doing it in the NFL. And if you're riding the highs of a college football season like that, yeah, why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to escalate to the next level and not have to sweat it out on 16-year-old kids' couches trying to get them to come to your school and like grinding every day when you can go to the NFL and coach there? Like That's just a better opportunity. But he's coming back because he wasn't wanting in the NFL this, this go-around. <laughs> now, this is purely speculation, but I did see a couple of tweets that said that Jim Harbaugh really hates talking to boosters. Oh, I could see that. A hundred percent could see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> That's like there were rumors about him trying to get an NFL job last year, too. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And Michigan boosters, too, I can't imagine are a fun oh, group to deal imagine. with. <laughs> nah. I, I would have to write in my contract, like, I can only talk to boosters one eight-hour period out the week. Yeah. <laughs> Except, you know, Jim's just getting praise for, from these guys the whole time anyway. You think so? This year. You think oh. so? No, the I don't think so. no. I think this year he is. I think yeah, I think pack. this year. Yeah. I think before that, no. I don't think so. I think the I think the normal fans changed. The boosters, I don't think did. Mm. And we can yeah, and, and that I think that because of the statue that's still up at Michigan and the grave yeah. that they still that go visit true. after all that the things that are That is a very good very point. True. Yeah, I, be, that's a fair point. So you could remove that statue in the middle of the night and just yep, mm. <laughs> just go. As they probably you should. You could put it inside I mean, the stadium. I mean, you could do something else with it. Yeah, I mean, go they, put it in the hall. Like a hall. I'm sure. Like how yeah. different is? I'm sure they Bo have Shemler like an athletic hall Joe of fame Paz or something at the University of Michigan. Like they put it. Away. Just put it somewhere else. That I don't. I don't understand. If there was <laughs> a sniff of those allegations about one, we don't really have statues like that at MSU. But a sniff of of those type of allegations, just remove it. Why would you even want the headache? Why would you even want people to say, like, oh, well, maybe? And at this point, all that, like Nate just said, all the stuff that's come out, it seems pretty damning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it, it, it is pretty damning. (laughs) Pretty bad. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. And don't forget that the the, the quarterback who was now the head coach was there there at the time. Was there at the time. Correct. Um, yeah, and this wasn't that long ago, too. I think we need to put that in perspective. Yeah, the, no. it was not the time of black and white photos like <laughs> right. Trey Video no. would like you to believe. No. Yeah, no, no, no. This was, yeah. <laughs> no, there were there were color photos out when this was happening. This is well past the time where you can put, like, well, it was that, there was that day and age. No, not really. <laughs> not really. Nope. Not, <laughs> no. That's <laughs> what we want to say to justify it, but no, not exactly. Um. Speaking of contra- – well, we got two things in the NFL before we hop into some other topics here, but we'll start with one that is probably the more controversial and then one that's more of a celebration, I guess. And the controversial Brian Flores news coming out, suing the NFL, not really entirely shocking. Some of the things that he's alleging there are things that we've known for quite some time. The extremely shocking part – I think there's two. One that he – I guess it's not. Like, every person has a breaking point. I thought it was certainly sort of shocking because – and it's wrong that this is going to happen, but it's going to happen the moment he filed that lawsuit. His career in the NFL is probably oh, yeah. done, which done. is unfortunate because I do think he had a bright future had he been able to land another job, which is part of the reason he's suing. Um, and then there is the allegation against Stephen Ross, which comes into questioning the entire integrity of the NFL um, and the games that are being played. It's also like super illegal, if true, that he's trying to bribe Brian Flores to throw games. Yeah, and we have allegations like like $100,000 $100, per loss. Yeah, which is like <laughs> super illegal if that's like what was happening. And it also, there's a, there's a crisis of integrity and the NFL, without even opening a single investigation yet, without taking any time, I mean, they've investigated the conspiracy of deflating footballs and um, Goodell. I mean, they still haven't even released Gruden's emails yet, but within right. like a couple hours, they're coming out saying these claims have zero um, backing to them. How would you know? You haven't investigated anything yet. Um, so it's just a, a firestorm. I probably didn't do the greatest job of kind of encompassing all that is going on there. There's so much going on in this lawsuit, um, but your all's takes um, on the current situation that is happening in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, For me, I think, one, the NFL has to get rid of the Rooney rule. Um, It's not working. They need to come up with something else at this point. Um, And I think, too, like, it has to feel bad if I'm a college coach, a black college coach, an NFL coach, or someone in position to uh, interview for an NFL head coaching job, and the only reason you're interviewing me is because of this rule, which means otherwise you wouldn't interview me. The other thing is, I still don't understand how a sport, and we talked about this with college basketball and college football, when because all these conversations are coming up, right? And the only only organization that's doing better, they're still not doing good, is the NBA. But how do you have a sport that's 69%, 68% black, and you got two black head coaches? 
Yeah. It just does not make sense to me. I don't understand. You can't tell me that you don't have former players. You can't tell me that you don't have analysts. You don't have offensive and defensive coordinators that can be head coaches. And they, they're just not getting it. It feels like we're living in like the 50s or something when it comes to head coaching uh, hires in the NFL. I don't know what the the answer is. I'm going to do this like I did the the kneeling thing is like, just tell us you don't want to hire black coaches. And then everybody can just stop pretending. We just stop pretending at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think there's... <laughs> There's a couple things with all that that come to mind for me. The Rooney Rule, I think, was born out of trying to do some good, but it's not working. Um, mm-hmm. And it sets up for a situation with like the Giants. Like the Giants knew who they wanted, and the guy and Brian Dable, who they hired, makes sense for what that organization is doing. But then they're bringing in a guy because, like Brian Flores, who they know they don't want to hire because they have to kind of quota fill their interview process. And yep. that's not to take any, like Brian Flores is a phenomenal coach and he would make sense at a lot of different organizations. But like, I get the joint giants part where they're like, I see this guy who really helped mold Josh Allen into an MVP type level candidate. We have a franchise quarterback. That's very similar to what Josh Allen looked like coming into the league that we wanted to develop. Let's go get the guy that helped develop him where Brian Flores is a defensive minded coach. But then again, you look at Brian Flores and why he'd fit at other organizations. He took a dolphins roster. That is garbage and was very competitive in a league that it is very hard to be competitive in and he won eight straight games and he's clearly a great leader and a great coach there's a couple things as far as that come to mind for me as to why and you know i might not have the best perspective on this because of my skin color as you can tell but i think there's a couple things that have been working historically against this one there is the aspect that i'm not saying there is a very bad stereotype that ran through football circles for the longest time. And it had to do with African-Americans playing the quarterback position. We know it's true. We know it's a fact. We know that for a very long time in football circles, coaches, there was a very racist stereotype around are African-American players smart enough to play football at the quarterback position, which was horseshit to begin with. But that was a legitimate thing. And when you look at coaches, especially for the longest time, offensive-minded coaches, the quarterback position, retired quarterbacks, are the one they gravitate a lot. Now, that's not to say that there aren't great quarterbacks everywhere, but that hurts the number game. And I think the other thing that's hard is because there isn't a ton of diversity in GM spots. There's not a ton of diversity in hiring like recruiters and things like that. You often find people hiring people that look and sound and come from similar backgrounds of them. So Absolutely. it's hard to break through. And then the other aspect that's hard is a lot of at least coaches of color that come to mind are defensive-minded coaches. In today's NFL, it's even harder now to break through as a defensive-minded coach because, and there are still guys that are getting hired, obviously, Sean McDermott at the Bills, defensive-minded head coach. But it is harder now because everybody wants the new, latest, greatest offensive-minded coaches, and if African-American coaches aren't getting opportunities to be offensive coordinators because of the positions they had played and things like that, it's harder to break through, and I think all those things are working against them. I don't know how you solve this, it is bullshit because you look around the league and there are Brian Flores, great coach. Todd Bowles, I think, is a very great, co- very good coach who just got a shitty situation with the Jets. There are guys throughout the league yeah. that can coach that are just not getting opportunities. And it is bullshit. It's hard because it's one out of 32 jobs, and I get that. But to your point, when you look at the players that have played the sport, it is predominantly African American. How do we not have more of an attrition rate through the coaching ranks? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, one of the weird thing, one of one of the things to bring up too is with the Rooney Rule is that you got these coaches that are going to take these token interviews, mm-hmm. um, and then when they don't get the job, it's like okay, well they must have had a bad interview. So then people stop interviewing them. So you have all these super qualified candidates. I can't remember who said this, but I I, I saw a clip of this. I think it was on ESPN somewhere. I mean, that's um, what happened with like Eric. Uh, Eric Bieniemy. That's what's gotten, happening with yeah. Eric Bieniemy. It's happened yeah. with one of the Lions' defensive coordinators back in the day. Terrell Austin was going around to a bunch of different interviews. He even got one of the he's in, in the lawsuit too because he got one of the interviews from Bob Quinn simply so that he could hire Matt Patricia. Hmm. Um, And he was the defensive coordinator at the time under Jim Caldwell. And he went around to a bunch of different interviews and then he didn't get anywhere because I I think his interview was seen seen as stale and it wasn't good anymore. So the new hot thing was gone. Um, That kind of shiny 
new object that's going around to the different interviews is kind of wears off when you have five or six or two or two all it takes is like two coaching cycles to go through and you to not get a head coaching candidate or yep. a head coaching job before you you're seen as not good anymore you mu- there must be something wrong because this guy checks all the boxes this would be a guy that i'm looking for but he's already been on all these interviews why why hasn't anybody hired him i hope that same thing doesn't happen with uh, Aaron Glenn here with the, with the Lions, the defensive coordinator, who's starting to to get a little bit of buzz. Um, I'd hate to see him leave the Lions, but uh, I'd, I'd love to see him get a head coaching job too. Um, so that's what the Rooney rule. I think it, it needs to go away just for that aspect. I mean, teams will go out and target a guy, but they won't be targeting a guy who's already went through a few head coaching cycles because you don't really know what's going on why they're interviewing wrong and why why they're not getting the job and it's happening with the enemy now um so we're seeing it more and more and then the other thing that 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 the lawsuit exposes is how big of an old boys club this the the nfl i mean we knew it we knew it was a thing um and we kind of it's kind of like the the unspoken truth it's it's where you you know it's happening but you don't really want to know it's happening and to see that bill belichick knew that dable was going to be named head coach before flores even interviewed is kind of crazy um to hear that a, that a different head coach um that's that, that's not even involved in your organization knows that knows who got the job before um before somebody who's interviewing for the job gets the job yeah, I I don't yeah. know what the solution is. Um, I think the other part that is pretty obvious too is like, and we see this with the Jim Caldwells of the world, the Brian Flores, the men who do are succeeding at a level that a lot of other coaches are not succeeding at, and they get well. Jim Caldwell got a little time, but the fact that he still isn't hired and what they traded for him and how much worse they got after that. Brian Flores, though, I mean, he has a legitimate gripe. He was down in Miami for a very short period of time. He was winning football games. With Like I said, when you look at that roster compared to other NFL rosters, they shouldn't have been winning as many football games as they were winning. So he's clearly got something, and they ditch him virtually right away over an yeah. issue at uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a disagreement over quarterback, which, let's be honest, like if – you're a team like the Miami Dolphins, and there is another coach of a different skin color winning games that really they have no business winning and performing at a level that is ahead of schedule by virtually everybody's expectations who is around the sport. They're not getting fired in year, what, two, was it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Also, don't forget a left-hand quarterback, too. Yeah, like, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. And a quarterback that there are some questions as whether he'd be able to make the transition. And Brian Flores didn't want him, which is fair, but he was still coaching mm-hmm. with him. Like, you're allowed to have an opinion. It's just, it's a bad situation. The whole Stephen Ross thing, I mean, I do think there needs to be a legitimate investigation into what the heck is going on with the Miami ownership and anybody else is being accused of this. Because, like I said, there is a real integrity, there's a real threat to the integrity of the game going on that. Mm-hmm very much needs to be investigated because it is one thing to tank. Like we know like what the 76ers were doing. It's very obvious and apparent, but there this bribery element where we're going to pay you extra money on top to lose games. Yeah, that can't, that's the line that can't be crossed. Like we know teams are, are tanking to get Trevor Lawrence or they're like, we know that, but you still have to go out and be competitive with what you had, which is what Brian Flores was doing and doing it well. Unfortunately, I guess for him, um, I still think they probably would have fired him even if he had tanked. They would have thrown him out, drafted a new quarterback, and would have been a new coach coaching him. But, yeah, that part is also extremely disturbing for the integrity of the sport. Yeah, Yeah, and then we haven't even brought up either David Culley getting fired after a year in Houston. Like, he didn't even—what can he get fired for? (sighs) Some very poor—I will say— I don't know if David David Cole is an interesting one. Uh, yes, I agree that there should have been some time, but some of his decision making is baffling okay. to say the least. But I also probably wouldn't have hired him in the first place. But yeah, I also I agree. I think if you're going to hire a coach, especially with that roster, you got to give. Him, I agree. Like I agree yeah. with the point. Like <laughs> I wouldn't have hired him because what played out this year is exactly what I thought was going to play out. Like the game is sort of passed him by from a head coaching standpoint, and there are guys across the league where like. 
the game has passed him by. Like, we saw it with Mike Zimmer this season. Like, I tweeted it, like, I think week six. Like, oh, the game has passed him by. He shouldn't be a head coach anymore. But I agree. If you're going to hire a guy, you got to give him more than a year. Like, you made that investment. You made that, deci- you made that decision at some point for a reason. So if your reason was good enough to give somebody a job that there's only 32 of them in the world, they should be able to last longer than a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys yeah. have anything else on this or if there's even a solution that you have off the top of your head, but I, no. it's a bad no. spot. There's no easy answers. I just, it, yeah. it sucks because we're, I think we're losing out on a guy in Brian Flores and I, I applaud him for going through this and sticking to his guns and to his, his integrity and moral integrity, I guess, and in suing the NFL and trying to take a stand here. I, I do applaud that. It just sucks that it's going to come at the cost of what, Seems to be, by all accounts, by everybody who's ever played for him, a great leader and mentor yeah. within the clubhouse. I can say this. I do not envy Mike Tomlin right now. I know his phone, his, his phone and his agent's phones, I'm sure, are just nonstop ringing. Correct. So, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, you yes. know, if, I, if I'm in his position, I don't make any statements. I, I doubt he probably will. Oh, yeah. He, he might make like a handful. He might. Yeah. He might. I, I just don't know what side he's going to yeah. come down on. He has a, a brand and a job to protect him, himself. He does. So. He's, <laughs> he, and he is, I mean, because he is one of the elite coaches in the NFL, and elite is the correct word. You heard that right, people. Elite has yet to have a losing season. Um, right. I don't think people have an appreciation for just how insanely good of a job Mike Tomlin has done with that roster as well at times. Um, yeah, it'll be interested to see what he says as well. That will be an interesting stance um, to see what he takes on that. But I would agree. His phone is probably nonstop. He probably wakes up with a thousand emails just on this one alone topic. Yeah, just one day. thing. Yeah, just, just this <laughs> one thing. <laughs> and then he has to pick a new quarterback. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Do not envy him at all. Um all right, I, I think that pretty much covers it there. Uh, Tom Brady, I already gave my thing on him. The one thing I did want to say is New Englanders need to chill. I know we're an angry so bunch, fun. but like everybody needs to chill out. Like There was two extra things I want to say because I didn't get to say it when I talked about it on the initial day. One, chill out. He's going to thank New England. He did today in the video he produced. His retirement was rushed, so... It, that, I think, came across as well. He has wrote a letter when he retired the first time. He was retiring to the books organization. I'm sure he's going to do something big for New England. That's neither here nor there. Do you think Schefter's low-key a scumbag for releasing this news so early? Yes. Like, I know it's his yes. job, but, like, I think based on what it appears to be on how he came across it, seems sort of like a scumbag move. There's a um, lack of tech. Right, he could have done this in a way that was a little more professional. I, because I agree with you, it's his job. But there was like a, it felt scummy, slimy. Well, he doesn't. The way even, it came out. And the reason I guess I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt, people are like, all right, stop being a homer for Tom Brady. No, this goes back to the Andrew Luck thing. Like I thought that was scummy too to break that news mm-hmm. in the middle of a preseason mm-hmm. game that led to him not being able to make his announcement and doing it in a proper way. I get it's your job. But, like, there are better ways to go about this. And the rumor that seems to be pretty substantial is that Tom Brady was going to announce this through the Man of the Arena series, which is done through ESPN. So that's how he got the take. He didn't get it by somebody in Brady's camp leaking it to him. He didn't get it through, like, hard journalism work. He got it because he gets an, he probably got an advanced copy or somebody at ESPN, his employer, leaked it, which sucks because Tom Brady's making you money leaked it early and then rushed it all while he's on vacation. Like, it just seems kind of scummy. I get it's his job, but, like, it felt like there were better ways to go about this, especially from a guy that has earned, I think, the right to kind of have some say in this. <laughs> I I, to- I totally agree. Nate. The only reason I was uh, shaking my head no when you said, is he low-key a scumbag? He's not low-key a scumbag. He just <laughs> is a scumbag. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Like, and there's no consideration to be like, hey, I have this story. I'm going to release it, but I'll give you like a second to put some things together or something. Like, if you're the only he's, one that has it, he's Adam Schefter. You're telling me he doesn't have Tom Brady's number? Yeah. He 100% does. Look, I worked for the Detroit Police Department in media relations. Uh, it's kind of the reason I'm on this podcast because I did. No, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> but stuff would break for DPD all the time, and even the scummiest of reporters would call us and say, hey, I'm running with this story. You got an hour to get your statement out or something, you know. So 
he could have done something. Like, it sucked, because then Tom Brady's rushing to call the Bucks organization, like, I haven't really made a decision yet or whatever, and he's doing all these different things, and it's like, I don't know, the guy who brought so much to the sport, who helps ESPN make money right now, you're going to kind of burn like that? It just, it came off, it came off really scummy. Um, so, dude, yeah. Dude, Dude, it's like on vacation. Strikes. Imagine him having his phone just start blowing up while he's on vacation. Yeah. He's trying to get away, having his phone blow up on vacation. Imagine him doing anything with ESPN again. Like, why? Yeah, I wouldn't. Like, you oh, just yeah. filmed Especially because Tom Brady's not a guy who carries, for ESPN. <laughs> carries a grudge yeah. at all. <laughs> it's not like he's doing anything for money. Yeah, that thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never have a grudge against ESPN. Yeah. So between the Adam Luck news and this, Schefter's on two-strike count right now. He's on a two-strike count with me for, as far as his integrity goes within the uh, reporting landscape. Dude, he was like – he he sent those pictures out too of those medical oh, records. Oh, shit, that that's right. Yeah, for, I forgot oh, about else. that. Yeah, about that. He's, that's why I said he's not just a low-key scumbag. He is, oh. a, he is a very high – he has no morals when it comes to we releasing stories. He'll do anything to just release the story. On scummy stuff Adam Schefter has done. My God, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, oh, I, I did not. <laughs> this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's insane how big of a scumbag he is. Unbelievable. Um, oh man, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, God, what a joke. You know what's also gonna suck? Uh, this is yeah, a... Jay Paul, right? That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Jay Paul when he blew or, uh, when he blew his oh, fingers yeah, off right. with the fire. I didn't remember who it was, but I remember it was like literally a picture of a medical record. And yeah. it's like, what? This is what happens when you go to the University of Michigan. I was gonna say, uh, isn't he an alumni? I, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> gonna go there, but uh, yeah, I was. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine being that. a Michigan alum now and uh, tying yourselves to Adam Schefter because you bring him back for the coin toss and everything. He stands around on the sideline for the whole game. You bring Tom back, Brady back for the. For the uh, coin flip, you're you're lucky to even get him in the building, and then he leaves right after. I mean, he wants nothing to do with that or that that school after the way they treated him when he was yeah. the starting quarterback. Not really even starting quarterback there, um, because of the promises made to Drew Henny and or Henson. Drew Henson. Sorry, and now you got this. It's yeah. just. Dude, we're never going to see, when you really think about Tom Brady's career too, we're never going to see a, another career like that. But you know what's going to suck is in like, because we're doing it, we've done, we saw it now with like MJ and LeBron, but like it's a little different because of the nature of the sports. But it's going to suck in like 40 years when we're up here trying to defend Tom Brady against some dude who has like insane arm talent. It's just simply going to be like, well, he also played in an era with like Pat, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick, like guys who had insane arm talent, and he's still considered the greatest of all time. But we're never going to see a career like that. And that's the thing, too. Brady played against multiple eras. Like, they changed. Yeah. I was listening to part of my take yesterday, and they were bringing up some of his stats. They said they said if you take out the uh, ACL, his ACL yeah. year, yeah. Um, he made it to more conference championships than he didn't. It yeah. was like seven... It was like seven you, conference championships, and he missed the playoffs six times you know in his entire career. You know what's something that also blew my mind? I don't know if they said this one, but I tweeted out on his day of retirement. Tom Brady was more likely to make a Super Bowl than Steph Curry is to make a three-point shot. Yes. That, that one You was tweeted that, that out? That's blew insane. my mind. Insanity, yes, dude. Like, mind blew the moment I saw that stat. What do you mean? <laughs> but yeah, he had to adapt after when, when they were big, a run-heavy yep. league. The only real... Arm talent, QB talent in the league was really Peyton Manning. He was trying to push it to be in more of a spread offense. Spread offense wasn't really working. And then all of a sudden, he able he was able to adapt, went full into shotgun and was doing um, taking shots down the field too. He, he adapted. The man is 44, and you can legitimately make the argument that he still has good years left in that arm. Mm -hmm. it's, in, it's, it's mind-blowing what we saw with Tom Brady. Um and we won't see it. I said the I made this argument on. I recorded one on Tuesday. I said the argument will like never see it as one. Some lucky like this was a big oversimplification of things because there's a lot that's going on. But it's sim one of the biggest reasons we'll never see this again. And I used Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers as the example. Is nobody in the history of NFL has had better discipline as a player than Tom Brady, <clears throat> excuse me, and he was paired with the most disciplined head coach of all time. Because look at the way Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers played those playoff games. Patrick Mahomes said mm -hmm. it in his press conference. I had throws I could have made, but I didn't make them because he was looking for the bigger play. 
Go back and watch any big game Tom Brady has been in. He has never done that. Like, he picks and chooses spots, Mm -hmm. but he just methodically moves the ball. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Throwing the ball at the end of the game into triple coverage against Aaron Jones when he had a wide receiver 20 yards down the field, wide open streaking. It's the discipline, the nature in which he played the game. He was the most disciplined quarterback to ever play the game, and he was paired with the most disciplined coach of all time, and that is, you know a recipe for insane excess that will never be repeated. I mean, he has more Super Bowls than any fran. If he was his own franchise, he has more Super Bowls than any franchise in the NFL over the history of the NFL. That is insanity. Also, while we're talking about greatest players, Tom Brady definitely uh, has solidified himself on the list before even making a move to Tampa. Can we stop putting Babe Ruth on these lists? Yes. <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop. I, I saw your tweet, and why should we stop doing that? Why does it not count? If you were playing before people of color could play against, before you could play against people of color, it doesn't count. No, nope. it just doesn't. It not even does remotely. Not it doesn't. Not even remotely. You're not the best player. There was an entire segment of the population that you were Ooh, not competing against. No. No. no you can't, doesn't count. Just like Michigan with all those uh, championships. Nope. No. Yeah. Before integration, those don't count. And they had they nope. have a very easy number one to slide in there, but they didn't want to vote him into the Hall of Fame either. In baseball, Barry oh, Bonds. Yeah. Baseball Hall of Fame is a joke. The baseball Hall of Fame is a farce. Dude, the baseball Hall of Fame and the MLB are hand in hand, walking into the sunlight of death. Like this, yeah. this these organizations are so mind numbingly dumb. It's incredible. Like I, I get it. Took steroids. So did a whole lot of those errors. I don't know if you yeah. noticed, the commissioner that reigned over that error is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> also, not baseball was to, so not to fun. Bring up the guy on your yes. wall, but like he got popped too. Hey, 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 hey! Uh, uh, Nothing ever uh, bad happened. What he was, what he was taking was legal at the time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. Legal at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. Sound like, David Ortiz uh, has done nothing wrong ever in the history of. Uh, sound like Peyton sport. Manny. Yeah, yeah. HGH. His <laughs> wife was getting the supplements. Exactly. <laughs> His wife was getting yeah. the supplements. Um, yeah, my whole argument with any sports Hall of Fame: if if you can't tell the history of the sport without that player, they should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, you can't tell the history of baseball without those guys. How are they not in the Hall of Fame? I just I don't even understand it. It's, I don't. He had like, two Hall of Fame careers too. One before yeah. steroids, and one on steroids. If you Absolutely. isolated those two separate careers, and, and, and the just Roger Clemens stats, thing is even crazier. those would make it in. Ro- I mean, oh, yeah. Barry Bonds is crazy, but Ro- Rogers was pitching in this era against everybody who was juiced. You're telling me he was at a disadvantage because he also juiced? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> also, it's just like it's just one of those things. Is like we have to acknowledge it. Like, yeah, hey. Steroids were a part of the game at the time. These two players were still above and beyond everyone else. Yeah, like at, at a level that nobody else could ever play at. And the funny thing too, it's like it's not like we're all going to get amnesia and forget this because they're in the Hall of right. Fame. Like right. we're not going to forget. Like that's always going to be part of their story. It's no, exactly. what's hard is to be like, because I used to be one of those people that defend defended baseball because. I like baseball, but what's hard is going to be able to tell your kids, like, man, in the late 90s, early 2000s, baseball was so fun. Yep. <laughs> and they're going to be like, was it? It was awesome. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Right. I don't know anything yeah. about What that is track. baseball? I have anything. What is baseball? I'm like, man, it was the greatest sport Yeah. Ever. Wait, how, how <laughs> it was electric. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa not make it in? Electric. Like, that, that's the thing. Like, you can't, you can't tell the story yeah. of baseball without – Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and they, they didn't even have like Hall of Fame careers, but that run in the summer was even something I remember, and I was not a big baseball fan. The other thing is baseball and college basketball are, are the two sports where like cheating is kind of synonymous with the sport. Like, yeah, it's just finding different ways to cheat. It's as American as fireworks on the 4th of July. <laughs> like they go hand in hand, people like that's how yeah, it works. Just... Since the beginning of time, baseball has had an element of cheating in it. Literally since the beginning of time. Yeah, literally since it started. <laughs> like that's that that it was born within like the two collided at the same time. Um you don't have baseball without cheating. You, yeah. you no. can't have the, it. the yeah. real the real problem it boils down to is we need to have writers stop deciding the Hall of Fame. It was the same thing with TO. You can't tell the story of the NFL with TO. The fact that TO is not a first ballot Hall of Famer is still mind numbingly 
dumb. He is a wide receiver, and he was a top three in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Literally the three most important parts of his job, he was top three and not a first ballot Hall of Famer because he made some reporters upset. What are we doing? Like, it should be, the only people that should be able to allow to vote are people that are in the Hall of Fame currently and maybe, like, coaches of the era or something. Like, it should be only people that are, like, in the sport or playing. These writers, are get them out. It, they've compl- they take this way too serious. Not even seriously. You should take it seriously. But it's, like, some weird, like, I don't even know. They get on this moral high ground. It's insane. Is, it's not their job to be the moral high ground of the sport. They don't get to protect the sport. They write about it. Yeah. yeah they write about it. I mean, they're the fourth estate, but, like, that's where it should stop uh there like you shouldn't have any more power over the sport um what all the players are saying these guys should be in that's a problem like you're the only group you're the only contingent of the sport that doesn't want these guys in current players past players current hall of famers they want them in as a majority now there are still some guys that you'll find that are in the hall like yeah no don't put them in but like when you look at the majority of the players they all want them in it's stupid agreed Um, how did we even get on that topic? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, because I said stop yeah. including Babe Ruth in your great. Oh, yes. And I yes, said very yes. right. That's another thing, too. I said they got a nice, easy I get athlete there. is, like, overarching, but, like, Tom Grady's the greatest player. I would not put him in athlete category. Like, he's not the greatest <laughs> athlete. The I feel like the athlete, word athlete yeah. is getting distorted. Sort of like generational talent. That's my new pet peeve. Is like every year there's generational talents coming out of college. It's like, I feel like the word generational is losing its its luster here. So Same who thing would with you athlete. consider a great athlete? Like Bo? Bo. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Dion. Dion. Um, yeah. Even like Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say he's yeah, the greatest athlete. athlete of all time. Yeah, but like but those yeah, guys. Great, great athlete. athletes right now. Yes. Yeah, guys like that, I would say, are great athletes. Yeah. That's that's where I put that. <laughs> um, All right. Should we talk a little college hoops to, to round this out? We got to start talking yeah, about these. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got a little time unless we, we want are, to We are doing up. a little wall, Nate. So let me let me uh, let me rally up a little bit and talk to you about how much we should fire Travis Steele right now. Uh, get out and, of here! Yeah, right, I should. People do not fire Travis Steele tonight. I cannot get him out of here. He is he is conducting one of the slowest offenses that I've ever seen. It was like that little wall that we just went on on the podcast. That's what that's what it's like watching his offense play basketball. It's insane to me. His rotations. That he Figure Blow my mind. Out. Like, why is he playing with him? Everybody knows that they should not be playing together. Okay. Here's the thing, people. Every start to every Xavier game, about four <laughs> minutes in, I get a stupid text from the clown show in my group messages, Fire Steel. And I have now become the greatest Steel apologist the world has ever seen. And I was the one that said, we'll evaluate at the end of the season. If we don't make the tournament... We fire him. Here's the problem. Xavier fans are an entitled group of fans right now. Are we progressing as an organization? Yes. Are we bringing in talent like we've never brought in before? Yes. We have the highest recruit in Xavier program history coming next year. We have a guy named Jack Nungy we got through the transfer portal. We are progressing in every single category. Is he the greatest X's and O coach? No, not necessarily, but it's also his first coaching job. How many coaches do you know, like, that day one, right off the bat, in a rebuilding structure, got it right. Zero. Nate, Zero. Let me ask you, though. The Big and, East, and what made the Big East so great back in the day? The fact that coaches got opportunities to build programs. We don't just rotate through guys. Is he oh, recruiting his please. ass off? Oh, come on. Yes. Oh, come on. Let's not go back to that. We what can even go current so day. Was the Adidas and the Nike money. Jay, Jay Wright <laughs> had to build the Villanova program back from scratch. Like, he built that program up. But, Nate, how often are you watching games where you see Travis Steele go? And I'm outside looking in. You see Travis Steele go small ball. This happened in a Butler game. I don't go disagree. I'm not saying he doesn't have things to work on. I'm not saying that we have to work <laughs> on the locations. On. But we're He's ranked right now. These same guys for the past three years now, What too. game have we lost that was not a big-time game? We've only lost to top 20 teams. You beat Butler by two points. I don't care. We still won. <laughs> Barely. We are a statistically better team this year than we have been any year under him previously. Like, 
we are trajecting upwards. We go on these little, also, little, little people, runs, and then we get torn right down because he cannot coach. I, oh, yeah, because what happens? We come back in the second half. That must be not good coaching. That's actually good coaching. He, literally, we, said, he that, literally said that it was his not good coaching that made them win that game by two. Oh, for the Butler game, yeah, that, that I agree. Yeah. He took responsibility. But the argument right now is, like, we play better in the second half. That is, like, exemplifying good coaching, that he makes adjustments, and then we play better in the second half of games. He adjusts to what the game flow is going and makes the adjustment. That's actually, like, a sign of good coaching. Here's, like, the thing. Are we getting good opportunities and missing them? Yes. That's good coaching if we're getting those opportunities. Are we horrendous from the foul line? That is a real source of pain. I'm going to give you a stat here that was mind-baffling that we need to get better at. Yes. Did I say going into the season? What was our expectation going into the season? To compete at the top of the Big East and make the tournament. We are doing exactly that. Yes, we're not the number 10 team in the country right now, but I don't know if you people forgot, but like Chris Mack inherited a great program with good players right after that. And if you forgot, we always trailed off at the end of games. We didn't show up when we were the number one seed against Florida State. We didn't show up when we, we should have beaten that Wisconsin team. Like, we constantly ran out of gas at the end of games under Chris Mack. Like, we have this illusion that this program was, like, so much better. Like, let's just see where it's at at the end of the year is my argument. Here's my baffling stat right now that's going to blow your mind. It's not going to help my argument, but it is a baffling stat that if we just got this cleaned up alone, we'd be such a better team. It's, it's honestly mind-numbingly insane how bad this stat is. I'm going to give it to you, right? Right now in the country. Now, this is ranked. I'm not doing percentage. I'm saying where do we fall ranked out of like the 312 teams or whatever it is. We are ninth in the country right now at getting to the foul line per 100 trips on offense. Ninth. Do you want to you guess know, where our free throw percentage is at? Like 108. Yeah, is it going to be 100 and something? You're not even close yet. Got to go higher. It's in the 200s. It's 217. This is a team that primarily plays in the paint. Like and we don't make those either. 59% of your, your shooting comes from inside the paint. And they miss a lot of those. We're 24th in paint points, bigger. so that's not entirely true. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but that, that makes more throws. sense. Did they count the free throws? I don't really know. That no, was, this is no, it's no, no, layups, no, no, no. dunks, tip-ins. So yep. near proximity field goal so percentage, near... we're twenty fourth in the nation. A near proximity that make, field goal that percentage. makes sense to me. It just but my like point is so many three teams. points. We are so low right now. Oh yeah, y'all three points suck at yeah. three pointers. You yeah, get that no. cleaned up, we're doing much better too. So like we're getting good opportunities. The offense, if it just had, it, here's the other thing. Here's the one thing I do want to I want to get cleaned up, and this is a PSA to all Xavier fans. Y'all need to chill on the criticism of the players. Nate Johnson was breaking down in tears about what is wrong with him because he was having some off nights in the locker room. Y'all need to chill out. Like let these guys work through some of their issues. Like when I read that quote, I wanted to punch my punch my wall at the criticism. Like I get being critical of players. That is fine. But when we got guys breaking down because they're going through a slump about what is wrong with them. You've crossed some lines on the criticism fair. Like, Hunter, not a great player. He probably shouldn't be starting. But, like, going after him personally, like, at the end of the day, these are kids. Like, we need these to, re kids, we yeah. need to <laughs> redirect our anger here. Like, that was the most disturbing thing I've seen all season. So, Xavier fans, y'all need to chill out. And how about this? Maybe let's inject some positivity into the building. I go to every game, and I can't tell you how much negativity. We are ranked currently. We've only lost <laughs> to ranked teams. We have not dropped a game. I get being upset about the play. I get wanting it to be better. I'm with you on all those things. I think there is room for improvement. I'm also not saying we don't fire steal and go for something better, but I'm also saying let's play it out. What good is it doing right now when we have a chance to do something that we haven't done in the past three years where we're competing at the top tier of the Big East to just be constantly negative and pumping constant negative energy into the program and into the building? It does no good. That is my well, argument. I guess that's... That that's why my, all of my negativity is towards Steele because I that's don't want to bring it out on the players. It, it has to come down to Steele. Now Hunter is a little different. I don't want to attack people, but he is also like oh he's 23, playing. 24 years yeah. old, so he's, he's not playing really terribly too. Anymore. So they're, they're, if they're freshmen, sophomores, juniors, they got to start getting it. There shouldn't be any personal attacks. No, no, definitely, definitely. I will take a strong stand on no personal attacks. Um, 
and I don't really criticism's know different. Players, you can criticize but, people. Yeah, you can criticize. It's different. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there are lines. Yeah, like yes. it is different to criticize somebody's game. Like that is mm-hmm. a completely different thing that we're talking about here. I think that's well within the right. We do that here, but there are clear lines that are being crossed. Agreed. Yeah. Now, on another note, Xavier and Michigan State are so close. That I cannot, I don't understand how Tim can watch both. I really don't. So right now, Xavier and Michigan State in the net are neck and neck. And then in the Kim Palm, I think there's like two or three teams that separate Xavier and Michigan State. So very, very close and play play very similar games. I'm going to flip this, though, and say that, uh, for Michigan State, this all the time isn't coaching, although the turnovers, sometimes Michigan State players make Ooh. wild decisions. On I would the make the argument I that don't... that happens at Xavier all the time. Paul Scruggs is a perfect example of his decision is... around the rim. <laughs> but, uh... yeah, <laughs> and execution. We're not hitting like we used to last year. I mean, we're, we are, what, like oh, 80, 81 points behind in three-point attempts or something like that this Ooh. year or something? Like, it's... Yeah, like everything is like way worse this year. Our mid range, mm-hmm. that is the biggest, that's the biggest difference. Last year, our mid range field goal percentage was ninth in the country. It's 168th right now. Like, we're just not shooting the ball well right now. That's all. Mm-hmm. We're still getting great Anywhere. looks. We're getting good opportunities. We just aren't converting them. And getting the opportunities and look is coaching. Executing mm-hmm. is the players. And that's the that's- difference. And we don't seem to be delineating between the two. And I'm not saying, like, there are coaching issues. His rotations are terrible. His rotations, They're trash. They're garbage. That I, needs to get cleaned I am up. positive that the three of us could call better rotations than trash. Yes, and that comes down to his stubbornness. That, And I think that's a first year, that's a young coach thing. Like, he's just too Whoa. stubborn right now. But you even see that whittle out. You'll see him sit Fremantle when Fremantle is getting hot. Like, yeah. that drives me crazy. Yeah, and that, probably, that was the thing that I liked about Steele at the beginning was he was just letting the kids play. Like letting them play through thick or thin, and it, the first part of the first part of his coaching tenure, I was like, okay, well, we just don't have depth, so it's fine. You can just let them play; they'll figure it out. And they really have not figured it out, like at all. Um, so it's tough. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this team has potential, but like, I, I just think yeah, the the floor is if I'm being facetious when I say fire Travis Steele. <laughs> I just think, yeah, at this point in the season, there's no, what, we're going to fire him because he's lost to Villanova. Who else, Who in the conference hasn't? Like, who, we lost to Iowa State during, when you look at our efficiency number, our worst offensive efficiency period was that December period. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ohio, Iowa State's a top 20 team. Oh, we lost yeah. to, we, we've only lost to ranked opponents. I get it. We should be winning those games. We should be in those games. It's incredibly frustrating when we come out in the first and absolutely stink and are lethargic and terrible. But, like, let's just see how the season plays out. Like, this team has potential. They start hitting some shots. The ceiling is incredibly high. So, like, let's just see where it plays out is my whole argument. And I'm I'm not going to hold back on the fire steel, like, at the end of the season. Like I said from the beginning, if we don't compete in the Big East and we barely make the tournament or don't make the tournament, I'm with you. I'm all aboard yeah, on that train. That tournament. I well, don't think that's yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been saying was, this for the past. But that was the expectation going into the season. I've been saying this for the past three years, though, too. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm going to wait to see what Steel's got. I'm going to wait to see what Steel's got. It's and his I've been holding year. for, like, this year to start unleashing. Um, so it's a lot of pent up anger on that stuff. Uh, Michigan State went through a, a much similar thing where people were even like calling for Izzo's job. So mm-hmm. it's so there there's there's this thing there where people like to call for coaches' jobs. Um, I mean, we lost against Rutgers last year by thirty points. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that I would be upset if he retired, but I don't really want to start calling for his job yet. Um, so we'll see because he's got the same rotation issues. I don't know what. What coaches I, think it's an embarrassment of, of issues. Riches, I think at MSU, eh, not, not many. anymore. He has I, that depth. The I don't rotation. Think there's that much depth. depth. How could it not be Michigan State? Uh, well, I, 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 I'm talking about at the bigs. Like, oh the no, at the bigs, there right. is weird, and yeah, they yeah. can't find anybody to, to to step up. Marble was supposed to step up. Bingham can step up in most spots, but like then you need a backup for him. Sissoko is I don't even know if he can play basketball. Consistent. Um, he he's really in there. When I was talking about, we'll both Marble and Sissoko. Like, 
crazy decisions. Yeah, that that's something. Hogard, I really don't even think should be really playing that much anymore. I would really love to see them go to like giving Jade Nakins a little bit of run at the point guard, bringing Pierre Brooks into the rotation a little bit because like it, it's just not working. Like Hogard makes so many of those decisions where you look at him, you're like, what were you even looking at? No, he throws the ball away a lot, but so does Walker. Uh, you saw that stat where they basically have the same. <laughs> same assist to turnover same, ratio. Which I just get. I don't understand how Michigan State. This is kind of. I thought that like, was a joke. I thought that was a joke when I saw no. 100 to 48 and 100 to 49. I was like, why are you using round numbers on me? Just like give me the actual assist to turnover ratio. But it's insane. This is kind of similar to Jim Harbaugh not being able to find a uh, quarterback with Izzo not being able to replace Cassius. That doesn't make sense. You should have been able, you should have had someone in the pipeline um, for that. And so now you're waiting on twenty, the class of 2023 to maybe fix that. It, you, if you don't have a good backcourt back for college basketball, you can't win a tournament. That's it. It's that simple. And they can come in now as freshmen nowadays to, yeah. to be able to fill that void just fine. Yeah. I don't know. There, there, was a, there was a difference. It, it, the, this was my biggest frustration with Xavier and Michigan State last year. Izzo would sub way too much, and Travis Steele wouldn't sub enough. Yeah, and it was the, one of the most frustrating around. seasons in, in, in my life to be able to watch that, to, to have a coach that's <laughs> subbing everybody at the four-minute mark at the under-16-minute timeout, and then yeah, a coach who wouldn't even there. sub a single person until you got eight minutes left in the first half. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, you got to make some adjustments, or don't make that adjustment. Let these players figure it out. They're young. They'll, they'll get it. Yeah, I get, I get My thing is the Malik Hall, like Malik Hall and uh, Joey Hauser. I still don't understand. I don't understand that. Why? Because Malik the best can't. six man in the league. No, he should just no, be a starter. He just, should be just, just start him. Yeah, just he's your start. best player. He's not. Yeah. He's not the best six man in the league. He is your best player. Play him. Start him. Yeah. Okay. Here's the last thing I'll say before we move on. To anything else or finish anything else? It's a. It's a. Credit to the Big East, but also just like everybody needs to chill. I think we were predicted to finish fourth in the Big East. We're currently fifth. We haven't played UConn yet. We're a game behind them. We play them twice. And the expectation going into the season was to finish in the top four of the Big East and to make the tournament. Somewhere along this season, we've lost that like sense of expectation of what would have been a successful season. And we're still well within reach of winning the conference still. We still get to play Providence again. We, I mean, it's going to be very tough. We're going to have to be near damn perfect. But this also happens when you play in a conference where almost half the conference is in the top 25. Like, the Big East is a juggernaut. We have 11 total teams. Five of them are in the top 25. We play everybody twice. Like, this is a tough conference to win games. We should be competitive. We should be right up there at the top. But I think my biggest takeaway is just, can we just chill? Like, I just want to relax, watch the games, and see what happens. Like, we're still within expectation. This is an incredibly talented team. We're going through a slump. I'll be right there with you on the fire steel thing at the end of the season if we finish below expectation with the talent we have, but we're performing right at expectation right now. I I just it's baffling to me. Like, can we all just chill, collectively chill and enjoy it? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all right, all right. I might need to enjoy it. I've been too negative on like, these can you imagine, college basketball. Could games you imagine if this like team there. rips off the rest of the season? goes absolutely on fire just winning games like i don't care if we're winning by two or one just winning all of our games makes the tournament gets into the second weekend and the entire season you all spent being negative nancy's like wouldn't that be a shame because <laughs> that is this team is capable no, of that not 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 knowing my record on on jinxing people this is why i'm negative <laughs> it's because of my record i am trying my darndest as a fan i'm doing my duty as a fan to be negative on this on these on these kids because of how bad i am i think this is a great point where my record where we should say, Tim, what have you been hiding away in your closet since the beginning of the season because of the power you wield oh, when it man. comes to Jensen? When, I don't think the fans right understand after, Tim's power here. When when I got Nate riled up after that um, start against Creighton, Xavier comes out in the second half right after I finished getting them all riled up. They went on a 29-2 and run to start out the second half. It is my credit 
not Travis Steele's credit, not a coaching adjustment. It is because I was ripping him over text message at half. It has nothing to do with him as a coach. So there's your first example. Here's example two. What team is currently in the Super Bowl that you refuse to wear a sweatshirt after they've lost? Can you explain that to the fans and how really this Super Bowl is because of you? Well, you see, there's there's this team called the Rams, and and my Lions were were playing against the Rams. So we went out there, and I knew the Lions were going to be bad. So while I was out in L.A., I decided I needed to get a Rams shirt for this season. So I bought a nice Rams sweatshirt and then a Lions versus Rams commemorative game T-shirt. Why I did that was just because I was there for the game. And so I started wearing this, and that was when – the Rams went on their little slump. That was when they started looking bad, when they looked like they might not even make the playoffs, and I was getting really nervous. So I put that sweatshirt away. Then, right before the playoffs, I was like, okay, I kind of want to wear this sweatshirt. So I'm going to take it out see if I can wear this sweatshirt. It'll be a test run. It'll be the first game right before the playoffs. Well, the Rams ended up losing. So that sweatshirt has never seen the light of day again. It's in the back corner of my closet. I will not be touching it until – this Super Bowl is over, completely over, and whether the Rams win or lose, it will not be my fault that they lose because I wore that sweatshirt. Tim has incredible <laughs> power. To put that into context, Rams Rams beat the Lions 28-9. Following week, they beat the Texans. Then they lose to the Titans, 49ers, Packers. I believe after the Packers game, you threw that away. They then went <laughs> on to win five of their next six. Their la- their their first loss in that run was the final game of the season in which he wore that sweatshirt. Tim's power <laughs> is incredible when it comes to jinxing teams. Like, he should be wielding this for the betterment of society, yeah, should, but it, it is truly incredible. Like, been making money. You should have told us, like, I'm going to wear this Rams sweatshirt, and then we could just I, bet the, all those games. It's incredible. <laughs> we have a gift on our podcast the, here the, between the, Tim's the, the, the power started the power started building yes it's a specific ram sweatshirt that i bought out in la and so they're guaranteed so, to lose if you put that sweatshirt on yeah i haven't even touched it <laughs> dude it's perfect it's so fun during the week so you can during during the week, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really nice crew neck i love the crew neck sweatshirt it's a nice sweatshirt yeah um it looks awesome it's very cool um <laughs> but i won't even touch it so I, haven't watched, I haven't watched the uh, Joe, t-shirt that Joe I've been Burrow. wearing throughout the playoffs either. Yeah. Um, and it is the Lions-Rams commemorative t-shirt game because I need to have a little bit of Rams, um, but it can't be a full Rams t-shirt because, you know, I, I, every team that I root for or wear apparel <laughs> is jinxed. So. It's absolutely incredible, the talent you have. <laughs> like, So how do you explain Michigan State's uh, success in football then? What did you do for that? I, I had no part in it. I would, <laughs> I would say the difference there is he did not attend the university, and it is not mm. Detroit-centered. Mm. So, therefore, the gotcha. jinx does not. If you want to know why over. I was so happy, it's because nothing like that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> and why I was so upset at the Antonio was because I, I lost whatever winning potential this- I had. It was the only winning potential I had. This is why fans get to say we when talking about sports. We are just as a part of the winning as as the actual team is because, I mean, the proof is in the pudding here. They go on a three three loss stretch. He takes off the stretch shirt. They rip five <laughs> wins off. He puts it back on. They lose another game. I mean, we as the fans, we have a lot of power in this. This and that Texans game, I probably didn't even wear it because it was probably still warm outside. Yeah. Um, it was in like October. It just started getting cold, but it probably warmed up for that game. Or I went down to a Lions game, so that's why I wouldn't have worn it. Yeah. This is clearly a foul. Oh, that's that's another thing, too. The Lions game. The Lions games this season. I went to just an every single with the Bengals. Game. I was with you for that I one. Went to, I, went to, I went to every single home game this year up until their three wins that they had at home. I didn't go to any of those three wins. <laughs> This is definitely correlation versus causation. Like this, they, these don't relate. They're, I mean, we, we don't we don't want to tie them in, but there's a lot of data. Yeah, <laughs> superstitious powers are a real thing in sports. Okay, <laughs> this is why we get to say we when talking about our sports teams. Correct. We Correct. we have yeah. a superstition. I was, I was I was texting people to go ahead and bet on the Lions to to take the money line because because I'm not going to be there. <laughs> I love it. I said, you can I said, ensure you that I said, you don't need to worry about them covering. You can you can take the money line. I'm not going to be there. <laughs>
So you can assure that Joe Burrow and Cincinnati take home a Super Bowl if you put on. I'm, I'm not going that far. I'm not going that far because I do not want to. Uh, I don't want to put everything I have. City in of Cincinnati. Power. Tim's Venmo is open. Yeah. That, that's what I am so glad you don't currently live in Cincinnati because people will be at your door. Yeah. All you have to Force be is like my Venmo is open. City of Cincinnati. Yeah. Yes, correct. My Venmo is open. <laughs> How, how much for a Tim to wear this sweatshirt? <laughs> oh, God. It's there is a price. There is a price. There is a price. Um, all right. Anything else I'll before t- we wrap t- this I'll up? I'll tell anybody that's listening out there, if they get me a Super Bowl ticket to oh. L.A., I mean, I will wear the Rams sweatshirt to the Super Bowl game. You're no obligated doubt. No to. questions at that asked. Point, yeah. No at that questions point, you're asked. obligated. So, Cincinnati fans, you heard that. <laughs> if you get Tim to the Super Bowl and Nate and Dante, you will wear that. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) oh god all right we're gonna clip that up and put that on social um (laughs) anything else before we wrap this up that's a good how can we end it on anything better i agree we will end it on that uh we will be back at this when we come back at this it'll be full basketball i'm gonna do my prep work this week this is my promise i'm doing my prep work this week to have full-fledged conversations across the landscape we didn't even talk about ucla auburn like how do we yeah we're gonna do that it's coming that podcast is coming i promise the next one we do as a crew that is what we're gonna talk about so arizona yeah. Oh God, we have some things to mm-hmm. talk about. Bruce yeah, Pearl. we got a lot to talk oh, yeah. about we basketball. Got, we got a lot to mm-hmm. talk about, so we'll look forward to that. But until then, peace, peace, peace.